Father, thank you for uh, your, your presence. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your spirit dwelling in us and among us. And Father, I pray today as we come to your word that you'd speak and that we would be open to whatever the truth is that we need to hear today, whatever your message is. I pray that it would be a message of encouragement, a message of correction, a message of hope, a message of mercy and, and grace, Lord. I pray that we would know, um, yeah, just the power of your word at work in our hearts and our minds today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You can take a seat. Thank you, team, for leading us. Um, you know, last week we uh, started off in uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, uh, the book of Zechariah. And um, I was sharing with you how we got to that book and how I went on a prayer retreat as I do a few times a year and um, going with the Bible reading for the day that, that, that I had on that particular day was Zechariah chapter 7 and 8. And particularly chapter 8 was the one that spoke to me. And I, and I, and I had admitted that as I saw that they were the readings of the day, I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, what's it, what am I going to get out of this, God? You know, this is... Is this going to be a bit of a drag or whatever? But um, mainly it has to, and, and this I think is probably part of the problem whenever we open up a passage that we're not familiar with. It's just wasn't familiar with it, wasn't really sure of the context. But as I started to study it and pray over it and read through it, God did start to speak to me. And I was sharing some of that with you um, last week. And I just said, I feel like God was impressing upon me that this is, a chapter for us to, to work through and to use as a bit of a guide as we go through the book of Zechariah and, and really what was God's message for his people during the time that Zechariah lived, right? And so our journey began last week. We we're looking at the jealous love of God, right? That was out of Zechariah 8 verse 2 and how God's love for us is like a jealous love. And now jealousy, while it seems like a negative thing, um, when it's in the context of love, it actually deepens um, the expression of love in an amazing way, right? And so that was a pretty cool thing to see, even though uh, the, the remnant of Israel had returned from Babylon. They'd been in exile for 70 years and probably feeling a bit like, oh, cool, we get to go back home. Um, maybe, that, maybe we didn't really know where their hearts were at. And God's promise for them through Zechariah was, hey, don't forget this. I'm jealous for you. I love, I love you. And um, that was an encouragement for us as well, right? As God talks about this, uh, as this faithful remnant that, that Zechariah is ministering to, as, as that comes up in this book, I really, I really feel God was impressing upon me that our church is much like a faithful remnant, as has already been shared this morning, right? God's people now, in the context of um, today where we, the church kind of feels like a minority. We're not, not as much importance, um, you know, across the, uh, you know, from the state's perspective or from a political perspective. We're kind of on the back burner more than we used to be. And, and so we get put into this context of we're like a remnant. And, that's, and so a lot of these promises that Zechariah has for the remnant back then are actually still for us now. <clears throat> I think... Um, there's a few puppies in here by the sound of it. <laughs> that's, a, that's okay. Um, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> a 
Last week, we also watched a Bible project overview of the book of Zechariah. And I want to um, encourage you, if, we're not going to watch it again today because i got too much I want to share today. But um, I want to encourage you, if you didn't see it last week, get onto BibleProject.com, go into the search section there, look up Zechariah, watch the overview of it, and also start using that as a resource for yourself to grow in your understanding of the Word. There's videos to watch. There's um, all sorts of topics to explore there. It's really helpful. And so I want to encourage you to do that. The other thing is there's an app you can get on your phone called the Read Scripture app. And it is um, created by Bible Project. And it has a reading plan to follow, a daily reading plan. And as you come to the start of a new book, it has on the app the Bible Project overview of those books that you're going through. So that's really cool and um, want to encourage you to get amongst that as well. But today we're moving on to the next verse in Zechariah 8, right? And, it's, and, I, and I mentioned to you that in Zechariah 8, there's 10 promises and they're all, they all start with, this is what the Lord Almighty says, or this is what the Lord says, right? And so Zechariah 8 verse 3 is what it is what we're reading today it says this is what the lord says i will return to zion and dwell in jerusalem then jerusalem will be called the faithful city and the mountain of the lord almighty will be called the holy mountain so i highlighted four parts to that verse when i when i was studying this the first thing is return I will return to Zion. This is God saying this to the exiles who've just returned back to Jerusalem. He's saying, I will return to Zion. Like this promise of God's presence coming with them. You're not the only ones who are going back home. I'm returning. I'm going to be with you. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. That idea of I'm returning with you. You're not going to be the only ones there. I'm with you. I'm dwelling with you in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The faithful city is the other thing I highlighted. Right? God's presence in there made a change to that place and those people. Right? And that's true of us and our story. Right? God's presence brings transformation. Right? God's presence doesn't come with, with nothing. It comes with transformation. What was once an unfaithful place that had to be sent off into exile, now God's returned, it's a faithful city again, right? And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. And holiness, if you didn't know, and you probably should know if you've been around the Wesos for a while, holiness is this idea of set-apartness, right? It's something. It's set apart for him, right? And so he's saying, this place, now that my presence is there, it's going to be holy. It's, that this, is, this is the change that's happening. So I want to read this in a couple of versions as I do. The Good News translation, I will return to Jerusalem, my holy city, and live there. It will be known as the faithful city, and the hill of the Lord Almighty will be called the sacred hill. That's that idea of holiness, sacredness, set apart for something. The message says, I've come back to Zion. This is what God's saying to his people. I've come back to Zion. I've moved back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's new names will be Truth City and Mountain of God of the Angel Armies and Mount Holiness. 
And finally, the ESV. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So what is God saying here? God's people, the faithful remnant, they're back in Jerusalem. Um, They're in the process of rebuilding the temple of God. It's not an easy task and God has a reminder for them. They aren't the only ones, right? As I've said, they're not the only ones who've returned to Zion. I'm coming back there. I'm dwelling as well in that place. All of the work God's people are carrying out in rebuilding the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem, it's actually worthwhile, right? When you think of the temple, this is like a little brainwave that I had as I was thinking of this. God's saying, your work in building the temple is good because that's the place where I dwell, right? In their minds, the temple is, is, the place of, is God's dwelling place in their midst. If the exile to Babylon saw God's presence removed from Jerusalem, in a sense, and symbolically removed from his people, we know he was with them in Babylon too, well, the return of the remnant is like a replacing of God's presence in Jerusalem, right? God's presence among his people. And with that presence comes faithfulness and truth and holiness. And um, I, I've, I've often thought about the presence of God in my life and what difference it's made. You know, and I wonder about your life too as we continue to look at this idea where God over and over again in this book of Zechariah says, I'm coming back. I'm going to Jerusalem as well. I'm returning to that city. You are my people. I am coming back, right? He keeps reminding them. We're going to look at that. But I wonder for our lives... What difference does God's presence make? What room is there? Sometimes I feel like we've got Jesus in our life, but we don't always ask him to put into effect his presence in our life, you know, bringing to him the place where there's no peace, bringing to him the place where we need restoration or rebuilding or whatever it is in our life, in our heart, in our mind. So what God, I think, is actually saying here is the promise of his presence with his people means the promise of restoration, right? The promise of taking a people whose history says they constantly stuff this up, they constantly get this wrong, and he's saying, no, I'm transforming the story here. My presence is the difference here. You'll be known as a faithful and holy city. And I'm pretty sure all of us want to be known as faithful people, holy people, people set apart for God's purposes, people who have peace in our hearts despite the circumstance we're in. This is what happens when we are aware of God's presence in us. So Zechariah actually starts off this whole book with a bit of, bit of an ultimatum to, his, to, to the people. And he's kind of saying, hey, if you return to God, God will return to you. This is what he says in, in, the first, uh, in verses 3 to 4 of Zechariah 1. He says, Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Zechariah is pleading here with the faithful remnant. He's saying, guys, we have an opportunity to, to start fresh with God and to, and to have his presence with us. And it all, all it takes is us to, to return to him and, and to humble ourselves and, just, and to repent and, and not do what our ancestors used to do and just run off to other gods and other idols. In Zechariah 1.16, we learn a bit more about how God intends to return to his people. 
What's his feeling coming to his people? What, what kind of thing does he have in his heart when he people? And it says this in verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy. And there my house will be rebuilt. And the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. So two things that stood out to me from this. The first is that God says he's returning to his people with mercy, which is a pretty awesome thing, right? After kind of like you've had 70 years of living in Babylon and sort of struggling through, now I'm coming with mercy, right? That, I, that cycle of God's grace just coming over his people again. And that word of mercy, I looked it up and it means tender compassion, right? God's presence in our life, <laughs> tender compassion for us. No matter what we've been doing, no matter what struggles we have, he's got tender compassion for us. And then the second thing that stands out is that phrase, the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem. And I had to do a bit of digging. What does that mean? <laughs> Looking that one up. And it's actually a phrase that symbolises restoration. The measuring line is, you know, symbolic of something a builder would use as they're rebuilding something, measuring something out. Um, and uh, it's this idea that God is measuring out his city again, remarking the boundaries for his people, outlining the place where his presence would dwell with them. And you can see this in Jeremiah 31, right, who's also someone who's prophesied to God's people about their exile and so on. And this is what he says in Jeremiah 31. He says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when this city will be rebuilt for me from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The measuring line will stretch from there straight to the hill of Garab and then turn to Goa. The whole valley where dead bodies and ashes are thrown and all the terraces out to the Kidron Valley on the east as far as the corner of the horse gate will be holy to the Lord, set apart to the Lord. The city will never again be uprooted or demolished, right? God's promise of restoration, the place that's being used for dead bodies and ashes and just, you know, kind of this desolate place, it's going to be renewed, holy to the Lord. He's saying whatever they've been known for in the past, whatever the city has been known for in the past, that's all changing. This place will be holy to the Lord again. Although it's been uprooted many times, it'll never happen again. And the difference, he's saying, God's coming with mercy, tender compassion for his people. That's the promise of his presence. So I was excited to hear Deb share a little bit out of Zechariah 2, a couple of verses there as she opened the service. We're going to read Zechariah 2 today. Actually, the whole chapter It's only 13 verses, so don't worry too much. But follow along if you can. And again... It's another, this is one of Zechariah's visions that he has. If you remember the overview video, there was eight plus a bonus vision of, of visions that Zechariah gets. And again, he's speaking to God's people about coming, um, coming into their presence, coming back to Jerusalem. This is what he says. Then I looked up and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. Again, that restoring idea. I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. 
very fitting for today. <laughs> um, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, right? God's telling the people who've been exiled, flee from the land of the north, which is Babylon, declares the Lord. For I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven. He's saying my exiles are all over the place, but he's saying come back to Jerusalem. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon. Right, he's talking to the exiles. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you'll know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. So what's all that about? He's saying um, God's, God's reversing the thing that's happened to his people, right? The people who, who attacked them and put them into exile, the opposite's going to happen. It's time for my people to return to Jerusalem. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion. For I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. So what does any of this have to do with us? <laughs> Right, All of these promises would have been a great encouragement to the remnant to be reassured of God's presence. We've talked a lot about, um, about that idea and, and what does, I guess the question we're asking, what does God's presence have to do with our lives? What does this mean for you and me? Well, there's one more pas passage I want to go to and it's out of Zechariah 9. And I think this is the thing that might, um, I just thought it was a cool image of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. This is that part that um, the, the prophetic word that Zechariah had about, you know, the, the king entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And, that, and, I, and I guess I'm going with that idea of God's presence going back to Jerusalem, God's presence going to his people. And this is going to connect us to our application. Right, it says in Zechariah 9, starting at verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from, from the river to the ends of the earth. Right, so what he's saying is when, Jerusalem, when, when Jesus goes into Jerusalem, when the Messiah comes, when um, God's people have God's presence, there'll be peace and, and it'll be a universal thing that is what God's saying. As to you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I'll restore twice as much to you. So restoration, God's presence, peace, you know, no more worrying about fighting off other people. Um, this is, you know, it's that idea of a total reign of God's presence. So Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, you know, and, and it's Palm Sunday and they, these messages out of Zechariah are brought to light. 
You know, these promises of restoration for God's people are brought to light. These promises of, of God bringing his presence again back to his people. Because Jerusalem in the day, the Jewish people of the day, they're feeling oppressed. They may as well be in Babylon, you know, under the Roman rule. And, and they see him coming back and maybe they're thinking, oh, beauty, he's finally, finally a king. You know, finally Zechariah's prophecy will come true. He's going to flip these Romans on their head. And we'll be able to be, a, you know, that, that true city again of God. And Jesus has in mind something else, doesn't he? When everyone else has, has that earthly kingdom in mind, Jesus has his death on the cross in mind and his sacrifice in mind. And Jesus is probably saying, yep, the, the, the promises of Zechariah will come true. There will be restoration for all people. There will be peace for all people. You know, there, there will be um, my presence in people's hearts. I will be amongst my people, but it's not going to come through some earthly kingdom. It's going to come through the cross. Right? For us, we have a promise of God wanting to be with us, but it comes through accepting the sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross. Right? His blood is the new covenant, the, the new covenant relationship that we can have. With him, And so it's not a big news flash for us that God's present in our lives, right? We're kind of told that from the get-go in our journey with Jesus. You know, he's going to be with you. You'll have the Holy Spirit indwelling in, in you. Um, you know, uh, even the Great Commission, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Um, you know, there's, there's so many of these things, right? Jesus' Spirit dwelling inside of us. We, it's been promised to us. But how much do we um, need what his presence brings with it? If we go with these promises, what does, Jesus, what does Jesus' presence bring into our lives? Right, We have Jesus in our lives, but how much do we ask him to, to affect that, the, the power of his presence in our lives? How much do we try and access what transformation is available to us? Zechariah said that God's presence would bring restoration. It would bring holiness. You know, which, which means being set apart for a purpose. How much has God's presence done that in our life? It would bring faithfulness and peace. Is there any part of our lives that we know is broken and needs rebuilding? And we can call upon the power of God's presence to say, I need you to spread out the measuring line over my life again, God. Stretch out your measuring line over my heart and my mind and the, the things that are going on in my life. Remark for me the boundaries of the way I should be living. Maybe that might be a prayer for some of us in response. Maybe the prayer is to take the things of our lives that don't marry up with the promise of his presence and to say, Jesus, just get rid of those things for me. I can't do it, right? We can't do this. We, we got no power to transform ourselves. But is there any part of our life that doesn't seem to marry up with God's presence? Maybe today the way to respond and the way, just as we come to a point of closing in prayer, is to say, God, I know you're with me, but actually I'm aware there's things where I need, need the power of your presence to be at work. I need your intervention. You know, I, need, I need you to be interceding for me. I need you to be helping me with these things because I feel powerless in that, you know. And the, old, the narrative of the Old Testament proved people are powerless to change themselves, right? And so this is the beauty of Jesus' death on the cross. He's saying, I'm going to do it. I'm entering to Jerusalem for you. 
right? I'm going to the cross for you. The, the promises of Zechariah, they're real for us, but it's under a new covenant and it's through Jesus. And so let's pray together. We're going to close. And um, I want to invite you to respond in that way. You know, just to say, look, you, you know, you know the depths of the things that are going on in your life, the things you need prayer for, things you need restoration and transformation in, whether it be relationships, work stuff, finances, however it be. We're going we're gonna to bring these things to God. Father, your presence, you know, is so powerful. Just think of the, the way that your presence is like light and just darkness, you know, can't stand. It, it can't be there. You're too good and you're too powerful and, and your presence is, is so um, able to bring transformation I pray today that we would get, get uh, a sense that you want to do immeasurably more than um, we could ever ask or imagine. You know, maybe today there's just a small part of us that we want to say, here, God, I'm going to let you into this area of my life so that you can bring a change because I need it and I'm sick of trying myself. And Lord, we trust that you'll do more than we could, we could ask for. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead Lord, at work in our lives. Help us to know what that means, God. Help us to see restoration in our lives, whether it be through, um, you know, just healing that we need from brokenness, freedom from things, God. I pray that you would help us to see that. pray that we would be marked as a people who are a faithful people, a holy people set apart for your purposes. And the difference wouldn't be that we've done better or that we've been able to do it by our strength or because we're good, but because you're good and because your power is able to make it happen. Pray this in your name. Amen.